imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's the real world. I choose to move on my life too. That's okay. It means something. It means something. My take with what's yours? Protonic reversal. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only. Protonic Reversal. Total break in format today. We're just going to dig right into it. This is a supplementary episode with Mr. Jerry Casali of Goddamn Devo. We missed some stuff in the episode before. Uh, we're coming back to get it. So, RadioNewtown.com for the archives. Patreon.com slash Protonic Reversal if you want these shows sooner. You know what Devo sounds like. I don't need to play it for you right now, right? Okay, good. And we are live once again with none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jerry Casale. Jerry, welcome back to the show, <laughs> man. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing well, getting by in these uh, these crazy quarantine times. Uh, the, be- the, the better question is, how are you? Uh, I don't know if you want to get into it or not, but uh, I know I know you've. There was a bit of well, a bummer you know, yesterday. You're originally meant to be on the show yesterday, but well, poor my my poor dog. Yeah. It's a 70-pound Labradoodle, and she tore her ACL. <laughs> Too many deadlifts? Is that what it was? Or <laughs> You know, those breeds are just, you know, hell-bent on exercise, of retrieving, jumping, running. They love it. And unfortunately, they will do that to their own detriment. <laughs> Right. Well, we we very much uh, we very much appreciate your time. Uh, the reason why why do we do anything in life? But what, the reason why we're talking to you right now is, and I'm using the royal we. I hope you'll note because we left some uh, things unattended. We left some things on the table, and there were some things where specifically you even gave me an opening on some of them, and uh, we just we just went another direction. And right. I, I really appreciated you saying, "Hey, you know, well, I'm totally fine with doing a follow up." Uh, one of the right. biggest, most egregious ones to me, because I just find the whole thing so compelling, is I was hoping you might be able to tell me about a human highway. All right, sure. Yeah, I mean that 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 is worth a chapter in a book at least. Uh, the way that came about was so kind of strange, and it was uh, you know a long process. But um, it's because. It's because Tony Basil and Dean Stockwell, the actor, came to see Devo at the Starwood when we were showcasing there in the summer of 77, and they brought Iggy Pop, 
And Iggy had already heard a tape that we had left when he was doing the uh, Idiot Tour. Was it Idiot Tour with David Bowie playing keyboards? That sounds that sounds Walter. right. Yeah, the timeline's whew, it, that seems about right. Yeah, that was that was it was one of those so iconic ones. Seventy-seven, and you just think these cassettes are going to be thrown away because you know every aspiring artist in the world comes up to a successful act and you know beseeches them and bothers them, and I had no illusions about that. You know, I thought it was kind of a, a kind of a futile act but right you you didn't think like hey everybody here's the big break it was just more like all right whatever (laughs) not at all all. and of course until until Iggy comes backstage at starwood we have no knowledge that anything ever happened right so he's like you know i loved you guys tape man (laughs) you guys are crazy and uh you know, we liked Iggy Pop, and it was just amazing that he was backstage. And Dean had been involved with Dennis Hopper, and they were fashioning this movie with, with Neil Young, and they were going up to San Francisco and working on it. And so Dean took a cassette. He asked for a cassette of the demo that, that Iggy heard, and he took it to Neil. And Neil... And the Neil Neil in this question is, of course, Neil Young. Just just to be clear, uh, Neil Young aren't familiar with the story. Yeah, and he flipped out when he heard Mongoloid. Right. And and why so, wouldn't he? It's a great tune. <laughs> yeah. So, what happened was we're um, you know we're we're expanding our uh, um, awareness, uh, our our footprint in in the culture, and suddenly we're. We're playing a lot of clubs, and Mabuhay Gardens asks us to come up there. Right. And that was the punk, new wave scene venue. And we play, and Neil comes to see us, because he's in Half Moon Bay. Which is pretty exciting. I mean, definitely someone who... marches to the beat of his own drummer, has his own ideas, and, you know, even if... Big swings, big misses sometimes, and, uh, you know, well, you an know, artist. And, 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 you know, and as much as I liked Neil Young, because I, I remember after the killings at Kent State, which are the 50th anniversary this weekend, and I was supposed to be there. Which I really wanted, I want to talk about as well, but I wanted, I figured yeah. we started off with something a little lighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing lighter than that, right? Um, I would have been there at the 50th uh, weekend-long um ceremonies and i was supposed to speak it's all canceled as you know so what i've been doing and am going to do more of is i've been doing what we're doing right now and phone interviews and a good friend of mine who's a uh, director here in los angeles alexander durbin shot a 10 minute piece with my uh kind of recollections of that day and did a beautiful collage directed 10 minute piece i saw a thing and, on youtube that i presume was uh, was, was a piece of that and was very yeah was very it's up cool. in front of me called order to shoot yeah order to shoot so anyway that's all been going on and all these crazy interviews with the fact that this is the 40th anniversary of the release of freedom of choice 
which came out May 18th, 1980. A much better celebration, to be sure. <laughs> well, except that, as the song said, freedom of choice is what you got, freedom from choice is what you want. That's where we are now. Uh, freedom from choice. Uh, this, uh, under the co- cover of COVID-19, now this right-wing ideologue dictatorship that we live under has moved vast amounts of power and wealth while everybody's looking the other way like a shell game. And they pretty much nailed the last nail in the coffin of rule of law and democracy. And I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm not being dramatic. It's happened. What we were warning about then, it took them 40 years, but these right-wing, tyrannical motherfuckers, they don't give up, and they did their job. Yeah. You just have to ask, why did you want to bring, bring it down? Why did you want to do it? How does that help you? Yeah, and the we, only answer yeah, we, is, these people only care about power. Yeah, that, they don't care exactly. About the rest of it's we're using power. <laughs> to group. It's just about power. That's where we're at, and so it's consistent. Imagine. I mean, you know, they, they, what they what they say is, uh, you know, what's the uh, um, the scorpion and the and, and the and the turtle crossing the river? That that parable, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, it's their nature. <laughs> it it really is. Yeah, it really is. What he, he, the scorpion uses the turtle, then it kills him. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's uh. That's the world I know. That sounds like the music business I grew up in. <laughs> so speaking of which, we were talking about a human highway. Let's let's we'll, yeah. we'll come back so, to Kent State. So Neil, we'll cheer everyone Neil, up with some Kent State stories. But first, let's talk about Neil yeah. Young and then the so craziness of human speaks, highway. Uh, comes to see us, and we we hang out after the show and talk, and he tells us about his movie, and he wants us to be in it. And so that was the beginning. And over the next six months, things happened. First, we came back to San Francisco in 78. And after we saw the Sex Pistols last show at either Winterland or Cow Palace, I can't remember. We were there when they melted down. They broke oh, up. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, they, they broke up on stage. It was a big... We saw it all happen. Yeah. And... And then we shot, we stayed and we shot some scenes that made no sense to us, but uh, Neil was shooting the, you know, ban- some banquet scene on on Sutter Street next to some famous, famous theater up there where, you know, like, you know, because plays were a big deal up there. And, uh, and Neil was, you know, king of the town. And we shot in this big banquet hall with this feast where, you know, they bring in a full roasted pig on spits. And, right. and you know, and Bacchanalia know, sort of scene, yeah. yeah. We don't know what's going on, right? It's like Dennis Hopper and, and, and Dean are stoned out of their minds on probably a cocktail of drugs. Right. And it's all these friends of theirs from you know, the music scene in Laurel Canyon and in uh, Northern California mm-hmm. and Dean Stockwell's actor friends and people that would end up working with David Lynch on Eraserhead and, and um, the original, uh, the thing they just brought, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, yeah. And, sure. and I met all these people when they were young and there they are. And 
they just go, okay, you and Mark are at this table, and they're going to bring in this big pig, and everybody's like feasting and going nuts. <laughs> right, right. Now feast. Here's the here's the stage direction. Feast. So of course, what Mark and I do is we steal the pig's head, <laughs> as one does. Yes, and start marching around doing uh, um, Lord of the Rings. I mean, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Flies. Right, right. Different Lord, different literary work. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the word we like, Lord of the right, Flies. I was going to say, the one that, that shows the systemic vulgarity of uh, natural human behavior with a breakdown well, of quote-unquote civilization. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you give them an inch and they take a mile. Uh, you poke them and they turn into the animals they are. Not good animals. So, yeah, Lord of the Flies was part of our our trilogy. We liked Animal Farm, Mm -hmm. Brave New World, Mm -hmm. and Lord of the Flies, right? So those were our references. (laughs) Well, and I feel like... Brave New World was more prescient than the than 1984, which I enjoyed, but I felt like I applied the wrong approach because the thing with Soma is the idea that, oh, no, everybody's addicted to these things that they look at. Right. <laughs> Which is like, that's much more prescient than like a big government oppression situation. Right. And, and, and they're controllable because they're on this drug. Yeah. And, and so the manifestation at, of that, I think, is much closer to reality than. Uh, well, the, you mix that up with Animal Farm, you have where we're at right now. Yep. Where they dumbed down the population, they destroyed the will of the people. They don't even people don't even know what the principles of democratic rule of law are anymore. So they're like the sheep in Animal Farm that look at the barn and there's the rules on the side of the barn. And then they change. Right, the rules change, and then they know that's the way it's always been. And the horse goes, it didn't say that last week, and the sheep goes, yes, it did. Four, four, right? le- four legs bad, two legs better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the turn. So, that's I mean, what you're watching every day now is Animal Farm, just bold-faced lies, gaslighting. I like his new press secretary girl. They they keep finding the greatest people. You know, he said he'd, he'd put the find the best people and drain the swamp. Right. What right. He, he drained the swamp and took what was in the bottom and gave them jobs in every department. Right, right. <laughs> it's called a cacostocracy. And that's where we're at. It's so. true. And, and it's ubiquitous. And uh, to be fair, I, I found that woman incredibly obnoxious when she was just a quote-unquote analyst on CNN, which is to say a talking point spewer. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. We're back no, it's to... it's diabolical. Uh, I'm impressed. It's diabolical. I watch it. It's demonic. And, and it, it frightens and sickens me. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of her, though. This is the thing. It's like they breed them somewhere <laughs> in a hangar, or it's like the pod people in, <laughs> right? right? In, in, um, Identical blonde the, women that... <laughs> no, but what's the movie where... Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Thank you. Yeah. It's inv- We are in it. Yeah. These people are Invasion of the Body Snatchers. They will point and scream. They, they point the scream every day, right? Especially if you're not one of them, they'll point at you. Ah! So that's what's happening. It's, you can't exaggerate this. You can't. I mean, I'm, I'm reduced to gallows humor because we are now powerless. We made ourselves powerless. The, about, uh, the, the, the lack of outrage, the lack of organization to fight back, and resist let them 
completely run rampant like rapists in the street. And they've done it. They've done it. It's over. So we were talking about Human Highway, and uh, yeah. you, so you had you had the 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 pig, the pig head. You're running around. You're 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 making it entertaining for yourself in a very very weird situation. But here's what's funny. I there's some kind of, you know, there was some kind of entitled, successful hippie code that we didn't understand, <laughs> and we Still we trans- <laughs> yeah, we transgressed that code. And we, it's like they were... They didn't care for it, huh? Your shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, they were put off. They were um, shocked. Like, we took it too far. You know, it was all <laughs> fun, but we took it too far. Of course. Anyway, um, none of that stuff ever made it into the movie because then Neil changed his whole idea about what this movie would be and started to write a scripted movie that was like a satire of Allison. I mean, um, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Wizard of Oz. Right. With a nuclear uh, apocalypse, um, you know, uh, um, the word, the the finale. Dystopian Alice in Wonderland, (laughs) perhaps. Everybody More so than that abysmal Tim Burton movie, which was just, ugh. Anyway, I don't want to get into this movie critiques, but. So once they decided that, then he came and he had seen the early videos that I directed, the Devo videos I directed, and he goes, I want you to direct a scene in in my movie. I'll give you my crew and my technical people and my DP, but I want you guys to do a a scene that's pretty Devo. And he had told us this plot about Valley and where the nuclear waste plants were. I said... I said, well, Neil, what if we're, what if we're disgruntled nuclear waste workers? And he goes, ah, he's laughing. You know, <laughs> he thought that was well. Huh? We had this guy totally wrong. I mean, we thought he was Grandpa Granola, and then we meet him, and he's like this enthusiastic, way out guy, very smart, and really creative. Right. You know, really interesting guy. You know, not, and, not boring in any way, shape, or form. No. No, so he was like up for it. It's like, okay, you're nuclear waste workers. I go, yeah. So we're thinking we're going to do this cover of the Kingston Trio song that takes a worried man, and he starts laughing because he can't wait to hear Devo's yeah, fucked yeah. What's up. that going to sound like? Yeah. <laughs> and I go, and we're, we're just gruntled workers, and we're loading barrels of nuclear waste onto a truck from a loading dock, right? He puts me together with his whole production crew, and they create a three-door loading dock, right. you know, and Neil gives me this this fantastic vintage open-rail truck from the 40s that he owned because he was a collector. It's an incredible-looking truck. They just put some logos on the doors, and other than that, it's what the truck was. And, you know, I showed him the, the outfits we wanted to wear, and I said, you know, we'd have to be breathing from breather yeah, tubes. The, the breathing tubes. I, I, I appreciate the attention to detail with that, where it's like, yeah, if you were actually uh, transporting this material, you would have to have some sort of breathing apparatus. That so he got his props people on that. And, you know, what they created looked right, but it was it was so painful. It was <laughs> It was cutting up the inside of our nostril. Oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, every case was more painful. 
if we start using Vaseline. I heard of because suffering it, for your art, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, with the clamps that they had that would fit up in the nose piece sure. to hold the yeah. hose. We're just digging into the flesh. And so, but Devo, you know, we were masochistic. We, we definitely suffered for our art. I mean, our yellow suits, you know, we would lose four pounds a night on stage in those. And, you know, we were used to wearing things that were totally uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, they, but they, they they fit the aesthetic and they fit the the right. visual uh, that you were trying to present, which which made it right. a, a sacrifice you're willing to make. So you know we did this piece, and the piece was a piece. In other words, it was a segment. It had a beginning, middle, and end. And you know I worked hard on it, and their people storyboarded it for me, and I was getting to work with 35 millimeter film, a set. Good yeah, lighting. this is because this is like not a small affair. I mean, this is, as much as thinking of scope and scale and and, and the with the millions of his own money. Yeah, exactly. So so and and, and you have to understand. And I'm, I'm I do this sometimes just for the younger listeners that pre Robert Rodriguez school of of film. You couldn't make a movie as cheaply as you can, certainly not now or even uh, yeah, 15, 20 years ago. So this is a good investment of money. This, this, is, this, is, this was classic movie making. Yeah, there was no like, technology like you have today. CC DeMille style almost. You know, like There really wasn't that much difference technology-wise from the classic era of, of filmmaking to this era. So I just want to set that stage that this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Again, 35 millimeter film. Yeah. Lots of money being spent. And I felt it was a big deal. You know, as a fledgling filmmaker, I was like, I can't believe this. I can't believe I'm using 35 millimeter film and I have a crew. Like this is what you dreamed of. Right. Yeah. But of course they weren't as diligent as me because they're just, they're, they're just doing things like on the fly. They're winging it all the time. Right, which so, is which, was that like part of the uh, part of the aesthetic and the appeal for it? That Neil wanted. It came down from on high. Here's mm. here's where Neil is making it up as he goes, <laughs> and here's all his cronies, right? And they're all they're all part of the cult, and they believe in Neil, so they're running with it. Even though I'm working with technicians who know what they're doing, right? Right. They're not, but they're not like used to being told, no, no, that. That angle's too wide. No, you gotta you gotta bring the dolly down quicker on the camera rig. You know, like <laughs> sure, because they're figuring out blocking on the fly. Like lighting is is being determined. You know, yeah. by phases of the moon. Who knows? I mean, so they think, who is this guy? Who in the fuck does he think he is? Right, <laughs> yeah, with this guy, hair, <laughs> skinny guy with short hair, this new wave hair, and you know, wearing black. Uh, so, but but we shot great stuff. And there was an original cut where the whole piece was cut together. Everybody seemed to love it, right? Everybody was laughing. Well, then just fast forward to what happened, which is this movie's never coming out. It's never coming out. It's never coming out. It keeps working and changing. Neil's cutting it. He's cutting it. He's cutting it. Finally, his producer, Larry Johnson, says, we have a cut for you to look at. You know, and this is now... This is now 1982, right? We shoot it in 79. So three years later, right. we're looking at this cut. And what they've done is they've taken what we did mm-hmm. and made it like a jokey through line in the movie, like where you're seeing little bits of it, and then it goes away to their plot, 
Then it comes back, and we're still on the loading dock a little bit further, and then we're in the. And so we appear like five times over like a twenty-minute segment of the movie. Right. It's completely incomprehensible at that point. <laughs> I, I I saw it one time, and that was that was about my takeaway. <laughs> was wow, that looked cool. I have no idea what was going on, and I didn't realize Diva was in this. Was the, the three things I thought of in that order. And you know what? Two years ago, he Neil does a fourth director's cut. <laughs> because the and world's demanded it. <laughs> it played in some art theaters in the major cities, you know, in the in the in the blue state cities. And I have to say, and this is something that never happens, right? It's like you can't polish a turd. And once you make a misstep up front and then you start trying to fix it, it usually just gets worse. Yeah. It's not going to get any better. But you know what? Not true. This one is the best. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's really? Okay, so it did improve it. Okay. I, I, most. I liked it the most, and so did the audience. Because it had more cohesion, it was shorter, and mercifully, you know, moving forward as you watched it, where more of the kind of ideas and jokes came out. Mm, okay. I was impressed that after all these years, he could go back and have the energy to do this. Right, right. I mean, that's for for someone that maintains a relatively busy schedule and a, a lot of different art and things and activism and whatnot. It's astounding that he would take the time to to revisit what many would probably just be like, "Well, that didn't work." Yeah, uh, if I had something like that that I did where you know something had gone wrong and it was left a bad taste in your mouth and you know, I, I I wouldn't have the discipline or the energy to go back and get back into it. Right. Because if I did, I did relive it. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. And, you, and you're going to turn something that was a traumatic or at least a, a bit of a, a bummer thing in the past, and you're going to bring it into your present, which just sounds awful. And that's what doing these interviews about the 50th anniversary of the killings at Kent State are. It's like that was a traumatic experience. Fork in the road changed my life. And being forced to talk about it over and over and see the original archival footage and talk about two of the four students who were killed who were my friends, Jeffrey Miller and Allison Krause, it's, it's horrible. And it's also one of the definitional moments that sort of molded your personality and your worldview that led to Devo and yeah. uh, and all the rest of the art going forward. I mean, I was hesitant to bring it up last time, A, because it's just, it's, it's, it's a fucking drag. And, but also because I feel like it's, it's been covered a lot, but I didn't even realize at the time, I was like, oh no, that's, there's like an anniversary of that coming up. And that's definitely, yeah. you, know, you know, a not joking around, never forget. That's a, that's a moment we need to never forget because it's, it was sort of the, uh, well, well, you know, yeah. again, um, the significance should not be lost on anyone. We were protesting the expansion of the war into Cambodia from Vietnam by Richard Nixon without an act of Congress. Richard Nixon at that point had been accused, righteously so, of thumbing his nose at the Constitution and the separation of powers between the three branches of government and doing things without the consent of Congress. Now, if that sounds familiar... I was going to say, any of this ringing a bell? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we thought, but at the time, 
that 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 year of 70 and then leading up to his impeachment would be the worst time of American history we ever could live through because it was, you know, you were dealing with thugs and tyrannical right wing ideologues. Right. Right. And, and and it felt so bad, but it ended up in an impeachment and it felt like there was some resolution and some modicum of justice. What's happening today makes that episode in history look like kindergarten, yeah. like soft That's soft yeah. That's like the Great Society compared to what we're dealing with now. I mean, it's it's. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, now we're into fist fucking. <laughs> I was gonna say a harsh joke, but that's even more okay. of an evocative issue. <laughs> oh, that's what's going on here. Yeah, and that's uh, there, there, there's no there's no getting around that. So. And I read, I, I don't want to blabber too much, but I read in the uh, in the book, you know, a lot of your experiences put forward. Yeah. And it really just seemed like that was where any pretense of there being <laughs> an adult in the room for any other reason other than to put their boot on your face. Yeah. Kind of yeah, became your MO, right? Right. That's the future, is the boot coming down in the face of liberty of mankind yes and that's what we're seeing now and so when you think about your art and again as we discussed last time and as you discussed ad nauseum in hands before devo was meant to be like you know an art movement uh, and then it, it became it became to be known as as a band because they were all sort it was of an a collaboration way. it was a multimedia right. art movement it was experimental and you know you do what you can right you don't have you don't have 64 crayons you have eight crayons and you don't have any money you can only do something in a club right which is great what musicians can do with very little right they can create a world with very little and so we were putting out there in the best way we could in any way we could fragments of our ideas using music costumes movements writings and what happens is we get subsumed into that punk new wave funnel, right? right? And we're just defined as part of it. And it, 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 it's a train that's left a station. You're not going to set anybody straight. It's like, okay, okay, we're punk. Okay, we're new wave, whatever. Because they want to commodify and trivialize it to make it something that's salable. Right, you know, the, and, and, and it's something they've done over and over again. Look at the early '90s with the bands that, that broke through. Like they, like, oh, it took them a minute or two to figure out the formula. So the weirdos were again let in while they tried to figure it out. And then once right. the Borg from Star Trek adapted right. to the threat, then they found a way to manufacture their own alternative bands. Yeah. But the thing is, Devo was actually Devo. You know, it's like it, there was substance there. You had your own compass. You had your own ethos. Were, yeah. yeah, and it shows, so, and it was one of the reasons why you know, as we mentioned last time, and I, I'm, I certainly don't want to go over everything we went last time, but I think that no. it, when you the the video compilation, when you watch all of the videos together, just as like a series, I mean, you see, it's like there from the beginning. That's you, right. You, you see that uh, the, you know the beginning was the end. You 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 see it yeah, from the beginning. It, it's on a shoestring budget. It's kids in a garage. But <laughs> like, if you just were, were were to were to give 
those young men like million dollar budgets, then it, it, you know it wouldn't really necessarily look that much different. It would just be a, a more um, a more well, adult version, done, yeah. uh, articulated. Expressed ourselves bigger, right? Exactly. It would have been a bigger production, been, sure. Well, I mean, there should have been a Devo feature film. There should have been a Devo Broadway play. You know, there there should be a Devo documentary, and the documentary, the fact that it's not out, is something I can't even talk about because it's got nothing to do with me. Uh, okay, you know, I, I did want to ask about that because I realized that was something we missed talking about last time. Okay, it's not the director's fault. He okay. kept submitting things. Uh, it's it's a long story, but I think I should just you know defer to uh, say anybody that has a question should ask uh, Mark. We'll, 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 you know his explanation of why there's no Devo doc. So we'll consider it an in progress concern. Well, it's there. It, there's everything you need is there. Okay. All the archival footage, all the interviews, all the cultural contextualization where you're showing what was going on at the time, socially, politically, culturally. It's all there. All there. Gotcha. So everyone can draw their own conclusions. I, I trust in the audience to be a little smarter than the average bear. So uh, go go figure that out. You know, on, the, uh, on that and talking about archival footage... We, when talking about Human Highway, there's that footage of Neil Young and Devo doing a Hey, Hey, My, My that was posted. Well, it's made the rounds on YouTube many times. It's been taken down many times also. Yeah. Uh, It would would be up for a while. It would be taken down. Some would be up for a while. It would be taken down. But what I love is the, the, the definitive version is posted by the AARP. (laughs) <laughs> which is <laughs> an incredible Devo moment. Um, that, when, so how, how did that come to pass? I mean, was it, was that something where was it was a Neil's idea? Was it like, you know, was it just. We were. What happened is that point is, you know, this, this movie went on all, over many, many, many mon- months. And for some of the people involved years, we came back from recording our album in Germany and we came out to LA and, April of 78 and we weren't happy with one of the songs that we had recorded in Germany which was uh, Come Back Johnny and uh, this guy Patrick Gleason who owned Different Fur Studios who had worked with Neil had also come to Mabuhe Gardens and seen us and he came on like just a really good guy really altruistic like hey if you ever want to use my studio yeah blah blah and so Mark goes, we'd like to re-record this song, give it a second shot, you know. And, oh, yeah, come on over. And we told Neil that's what we were doing. And so he got this idea to come over, too, and bring his camera crew, and we'd do stuff as well, right? So we record, we re-recorded Come Back Johnny there. And then Neil started jamming with us live in the live room. With Patrick Gleason there at the board with his engineer. Sure. And two camera guys from Neil's crew shooting. And he went and he showed us the progression to Hey, Hey, My, My. So we started mutating. Like, right. okay, we're. Because <laughs> right. it does sound like it sounds. The arrangement is very Devo. And yeah. it, it's a very uh, prim- primitive, evolved caveman take on it. And, you know, then he just starts getting into this, like, um, 
jam with Boogie Boy. Is right, if who's he's on, to be in the crib, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's acting like it's if it's if it's David Bowie and and uh, Mick Ronson where they pretended to blow each other on stage, right? right. <laughs> this is like this is like a a guitar battle where he's the only guy with the guitar and he's shoving it at Mark. Yeah, yeah. Boogie Boy playing the Moog, and it just turns into noise, and it went on and on and on, and Neil loved it so much, we shot it all, right? right. Like, whatever you see that ends up in the movie, that's a snippet. <laughs> it, it, it seemed like it was the kind of thing that went on for quite some time, and that... Oh, my God. Yeah. It went on. So... But but it's such a... I mean, it, it definitely existed as a clip, as a, what am I looking at sort of moment, uh, as its own, if you have no context. We, we, we then went back and we did a finished mix of Comeback Johnny. And we liked it a lot. And then Patrick Gleason hits us with a, a huge studio bill and wants producer on it. <laughs> was a big problem for us, right? Right, right. Comeback Johnny on our record was from Germany with Brian Eno because we were getting screwed. Otherwise, well, and so that's and that's interesting because uh, Comeback Johnny isn't that uh, if I might be off base here, but wasn't that about JFK, like the JFK assassination and the whole culture <laughs> behind that? Well, you know, it's one of those loose expressionistic things. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's about it's about like multiple layers of things. It depends right? on who's asking, right? Exactly. Like Snowball is like a sad love story based on the system. Sisyphean myth of rolling the ball up the hill. Yeah, Sisyphus, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also a story about scoring coke in an apron. <laughs> right. So it depends on who asked the question where, where right. you could give the answer for it. Right, sure. Yeah. So talk to me about of the many things. Uh, well, first of all, uh, oh, I wish I did. Then a little more on this. I feel like there was some common cause with Devo and the cars as much as the cars was a very different entity. And it was very interesting to me that I can't remember that some of the later records, it kind of seems like they were almost sort of doing their version of what you were doing. And we talked about this briefly without mentioning names before, but uh, I mean, am I off base here? I mean, what, what was, was what relationship with any was there? One second. Sure. We're talking to Mr. Jerry Casali in front of his wall of vaginas which are very fetching, the vaginas. You, of course, listen to Protonic Reversal, and we thank you for that. Welcome, folks, on the Instagram live stream, Instagram TV. Of course, folks on Radio Nope. RadioNope.com. Say yes to Nope. 24-7, 365 streaming available. The name of this show is Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. You can find it at RadioNeutron.com for the archives. And it broadcasts live on Radio Nope. And we're back now. I had to let Beta in. She was limping. Oh no! Yeah, you got to make sure you got to be kind to the got to be kind to the puppers. She's on drugs now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that sad or hilarious or or both? Well, actually, it's, it seems to be alleviating the immediate pain. Good, functional. Oh, good. The best possible outcome. Wonderful. That's right. Uh, so, so we're that, not, it, talking well, about the cars. cars. You know, the cars are like they were all style. That's mm-hmm. what they were. They were, they were cool in all style. They were the cool guys, right? Devo were like the embarrassing nerd cousins, right? Like, <laughs> sure, where yeah. Ben was like going, 
I don't want to bring these guys to the party because the girls will think I'm not happening. Right. You know, right. I mean, I, you know, we hung out with them and uh, I became very friendly with Rick and Ben. And I, I went socializing with Ben in Boston when we were shooting, you know, I, I directed videos for them. And that guy, that guy, he's like, he's out of, he was out of a film, right? <laughs> ben Orr you're he, talking about? There were just so many girls around him, all <laughs> <laughs> and so one of the nights we were in town they played locally and watching cars play was like the old cliche of watching paint dry <laughs> they, not they a were, dynamic live show huh i mean it sounded perfect as if you were playing a record right you know and everything was mixed right and everything was precise and in tune and all the little hip like 60s guitar things and voices mixed right. Uh, but just like automatons, dolls, right? Uh, they, they moved about as much as craft work, but of course there wasn't the concept of craft work. So you're thinking there should be energy here or some added value-added element of seeing them live, and there wasn't. It wasn't. It was just pretty much here's the record and here's like a stylish and cool looking live show and that's about the yeah extent of it. Like every moment was like we're cool, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, yeah, and that and that was which is amazing because for a man like Rick Ocasek who will go and charitably say uh, has a face made for radio, uh, you know, it's hey, good for him, man. That's awesome. Yeah. But Ben <laughs> was the one. He definitely married he up. Ben. <laughs> Ben was the chick magnet. Yeah, I mean, Ben was yeah, Ben was certainly the, the handsome one. So of the bunch. So like he, you know, we go backstage into the green room, and I'm watching this whole scene, and he's got there's two girls that are really most aggressive hanging around him, and they're both cute, and I'm watching, you know, and he's like looking over at me every so often and smirking. And rolling his eyes. And then he goes, he says to them, he goes, so, what are we going to do tonight? And they girl at each other and it's like, we? And he goes, yeah, you and you and me, right? And he goes, well, I don't know. And he goes, well, if you want to come with me, you got to show me a little bit about what's about to happen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then he kind of got his sleepy eyes and he looks over at me. And I, and so of course these two girls kiss each other. Mm -hmm. And then he puts his arms around him like, okay, let's go. So when we saw him the next day in the studio, you know, I go, how do you do that? Like, what's going on here? Right? I'm like dumb shit. Like, oh man, does that work? <laughs> right, right. God, I'd like to try that sometime. <laughs> Coming in like the Podunk, Ohio guy, yeah. Yeah. And he goes, you just got to know what you want, and you just got to let them know what you want. And then I always use the line, show me a little bit of what's about to happen. And I put that in the song, Peekaboo. That, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I took his line and I put it, Benjamin Orr, everybody. Benjamin Orr. Wow. Yeah, uh, yeah that's that's and that's a very important line within Peekaboo. So that's that's awesome to know yeah. that, that came from there. That's great. also another important line in Peekaboo was, "If you cannot, oh, 
wow. If you cannot see it, you think it's not there. I remember. Yeah. And that's where we are with coronavirus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's certainly preview of the times for sure. Uh, question from from the peanut gallery here. Yeah. Uh, back to the earlier story because I wasn't paying the slightest bit of attention to it. There's a story, and, I, and this is a good one. There's, there's a story slash rumor that Neil originally saw Russ Never Sleeps on a Bougie's diaper or something along those lines. Is there any truth relevance or kernel of truth to any part of that? Uh, you know, I'm trying to get your... <laughs> trying to get the screen back, but I'm listening. Um, I don't know what happened here. I can still see you, so you're, you're good there for... We there we are. All, all you're missing is me talking at the microphone at you, so you're... Yes, um, yes we gave him that title, because... Really? Mark and Russ I, never sleeps. Okay. Yeah, because we worked on a campaign for Rustolium back in Akron, Ohio. <laughs> That's, I actually... I knew this and I forgot about it. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And we wore, we, we wore the t-shirts out to L.A., and he saw Mark in one. And he goes, Russ never sleeps, what's that? And we told him... And he loved it. He just ripped it off. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, he made a creative unlike use, so there was no problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so there's another there's another story, and I, I want to be mindful of your time, but I also want to be, there's other stuff I want to get into, but I, I would like, if you can, uh, just a retelling of the artwork for are we not men? Which I, I know it's a crazy story. It was a, a Chichi Rodriguez originally, and there was like a copy. Like, can you can you please? Have you seen that documentary? I, I have, and it's it's freaking nuts. Is 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 the, is the best way that I can put it? Like it's, it's that's what happened. <laughs> I know. It, it, it's like I've never like I never knew I never even conceived that like that whole thing could be that that's insane as all that. Well, everything with Devo gets convoluted, and not because we orchestrated because you know we had this image we loved and we had used it on "Be Stiff," the the uh, independent single that we put out with Stiff Records in English, and then we told Warner Brothers when we signed with them we want this to be our album cover for the first record. And Rick Serini, the head of the art department, loved it. He got the whole joke. Couldn't believe how cool it was. And, of course, what happens is it gets passed by the suits. And the manager of business affairs goes, you can't use this. That's Chi-Chi Rodriguez, and I'm a golfer. <laughs> and first I, of all, Sir, first of all, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I respect Chi-Chi, and you're not going to make fun of Chi-Chi. And we'll get sued. Right? So... Right. So I go, well, why don't we just ask Chi-Chi if it's okay? What's he going to hear? Yeah, it's like, well, all right. And they let legal affairs people write, find Chi-Chi's people and write them a letter and say, they, this band wants to do this. But, of course, it, that just, there's no internet. There's no direct communication. Right. It gets lost in you know, in space, in the U.S. mail. And meanwhile, they're going, hey, if we don't get an answer and you guys are insisting on this, we're going to have to delay this record another month. So, Like it hasn't been delayed enough already, because I remember that's what you mentioned. Why don't I have my airbrush guy, you know, change your Chi-Chi. So it's not Chi-Chi, and it's, you know, 
And, and of course, Mark and I are concerned about what that's going to turn into. So we show him this, you know, we collected all this whack shit. We, we show him this thing we collected from a newspaper in Akron earlier where some airbrush artist showed the world what would happen if you combined the last four presidents, which were Kennedy and Nixon and Carter right. and Johnson, right? And and so here's this horrid, mutant-looking guy. <laughs> yeah, this, this abomination that should not be, yeah. The four presidents, right? right. <laughs> so we go, why don't you do this then, but leave Chi-Chi's hat which is, you know, a famous hat because of his hat band that his wife I who was Hawaiian, and leaves the golf ball. And so they mocked it up, and now you've got, you're looking at True Devo, a mutant. You're looking at a fucking mutant, but you know he's a golfer, and there's some Chi-Chi elements in there, but it's not Chi-Chi Rodriguez anymore. But now the manager of business affairs of Warner's, David Berman, says, no way, because that's Chi-Chi's hat band. And that's a golf ball, and we still know it's Chi-Chi. Right. And he, he, personally, he takes whiteout and tape and uh, ruby-lit red, you know, he he mocks up what's going to be acceptable. To <laughs> Which is, in, in the process of it, making it more Devo than anything you possibly could have planned for. The first thing he did was, you know, he'd seen enough punk records that he, he blocked out Chi-Chi's eyes, you know, with a right. <laughs> right, right. Like, like it's porno and, you know, it's like XXX. So the, cheek, it, the eyes were blocked out. The hat band was solid, not not uh, um, madras. And then the golf ball, he took the striations out of the golf ball so that you didn't know it was a golf ball. Right. And just a white. Just a white. <laughs> like it looks so almost quasi-religious or something. Yeah. yeah. We had to send our manager, Elliot Roberts, up. They had a big fight. And we had to sign an indemnification that if anything happened, we'd be paying the millions of dollars. Right. Anyway, so it goes to press. They print it up. Then we get a letter from Chi-Chi. He's really into the idea. And his only request is, when you use my image, I want you to send me 50 records for my friends and family. <laughs> that I could pass out at Christmas time, right? Right. <laughs> well... Warner's chickens out doesn't tell him well it's not you anymore right right it's like this mutated sort of like subhuman version him, of you yeah they send him the licensing money 2500 bucks and then the album comes out and and in that comes out in August and in November Warner ships him two cases <laughs> and of course he calls his people Oh, they go, this doesn't look like Chi-Chi Rodriguez. Because actually, Chi-Chi's quite handsome in a, yeah, in yeah. a very Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And this guy, you know, that was on our cover now, was a a dork, like something out of Mad Magazine. <laughs> right. It looks like a caricature. Yeah, it's a, it's a caricature by proxy, almost. And so, because Devo has this reputation of punking businessmen and corporations and playing with the culture... Everybody assumes that this was a setup, right? That we did this on purpose right. to Chi-Chi, right? <laughs> just to be a jerk that, to Chi-Chi Rodriguez. <laughs> and of course, it's, just, it's useless in that world. You could never make it right. Yeah. And it went away. 
and Debo was unfairly characterized. And so that that documentary last year was the first time the truth came out. Which and is I got a to- crazy story, like an insane story. And and it's it's the it's the kind of thing that you know the whole time like no. Really? No. <laughs> but that's just that's one. I have five more of those. And of course the next one you you are just going to have to do this again cuz I got to go. But as going to say <laughs> the next one will be about John Hinckley Jr. Okay. So, yeah, and and that's um, which was the uh, on um, uh, what do you call it? Um, I desire, I desire with, uh, right? Yeah, and it has to do with with uh, the famous actress. Uh. So uh, yeah, sorry. So so a couple things. First of all, uh, I want to well, I want to thank you for your time again and for coming back. And this this is delightful and great. But also, I real realized last time that we did not get the chance to discuss the winery and oh. I, I am enjoying oh, you had some, you had some right I, I am literally uh, in, in a, is that in a the rose? this is my rosé this is the rosé I, I have it uh, for those uh, okay. who are watching on the Instagram I have it yeah, in a good. flammable liquid beaker yeah it is the rosé of Pinot Noir I felt that was an appropriate decanter uh, for this and uh, it's lovely it really came out well. It really came out well. The 50 by 50 rosé of Pinot Noir from Carneros. And it's really good. And I'm throwing and that in the... Uh, in the by 50 in, by 50. Yep. Here's, the, here's the Pinot Noir itself. There's, there's the real Pinot Noir. Which is great. And that's what I cracked open when I thought we were talking yesterday. And that didn't last long enough for, <laughs> <laughs> for the show. Which... <laughs> Maybe that says more about me than anything else, but uh, hey, hey, man. Uh, but can you just real quickly speak a little bit to the winery? Uh, of course, if fans want to, you, you do right. mail order. You 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 you, yes. ship, you ship the wine. Most 50 of my by fifty big, is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, well, now my only sales are direct sales because right. all my accounts, my bars and restaurants, they're not buying wine. They're trying to sell every bit of inventory they have left and stay in business. Sure. Right under this lockdown, stay at, safer at home stuff. And it's destroyed millions of people's jobs and lives, as you know. And the first hit were the restaurant business, the hospitality business, the airlines, the touring business. We were supposed to do four shows this year. All gone, folks. You know. So a lot of my friends, they can't do their recording sessions. They can't tour. It's it's All you can do is stay home and drink 50 by 50, which is a <laughs> Right, and it is great wine. And I gotta say, as someone that it really uh, is, what I was so amazed because uh, I heard tell of it from a mutual friend Matt, and I was like, oh, you know, cool. And then I kind of had an idea of what it probably was, and I'm just kind of picky with wines. The only real one I like is Pinot Noir, and I was like, holy crap, this is the kind I like. And then I was like, oh, it's a rosé of Pinot Noir too. Okay, that's interesting. That's fascinating. Well, I work hard on. It. I work hard on it. I have a. I have a, a, a place on Silverado Trail that I make the wine in this barn with a collaborator, Eric Lyman. He's like the technical enologist chemical guy. You know, you right. need the chemistry guy. And I, I source the grapes from a single vineyard for the rosé, and I source the grapes, the organic grapes for the actual Pinot Noir from a single vineyard in Sonoma Coast. So the rosé grape I use... It's perfect because it's soft, and you want soft 
the new D Rose. And that's, you know, our clone is called 667. That comes from Rinky Vineyards in Carneros. And then the big boy wine, the big red wine, I use Hamard in 667, but it's from Sonoma Coast, at about 700 feet high on a slope with lots of nighttime air and cold and then hot in the day. That's what you want, stressed vines. And it's all one block. So, you know, it's single vineyard wine and it's very seriously made, made in a French style. Yeah, and like as I said, I thought the perfect decanter was this uh, beaker that says flambeau yeah. liquid that was given to me. I believe is it was meant as a gag gift, uh, and it was something that has long sat on the shelf. And I'm like, I gotta remember to bust that loose when I have some wine next time. And I only use actual chemistry decanters, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> because they're the best. They, they 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 work well for the cause as well. You know, well, it's, it's, they have the shape that you really want to use. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Jerry, I want to want to thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah, let me know; I'll be back. Yeah, I it's, like a, to you. it's great having you. I mean, yeah, let's do it again sometime. I'm 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 fully down. And uh, All right. best uh, speedy recovery to the pup. Yeah, and uh, call a neutron. We love the neutron bomb because it leaves buildings intact. Absolutely, <laughs> it's functional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right, thanks so much, Jerry. Bye-bye. And there he goes, Mr. Jerry Casale. Once more, the man, the myth, the legend. Cool guy.
I'm tired of the Sufi show. He's been with the world. I wanna win this prophylactic tour. Afraid nobody around here understands my potato. I think I'm only a spot boy looking for.
All right. Well, there you go. So we had the Neil Young enabled mutated. Hey, hey, my, my, with Neil Young and Devo that we discussed this episode. We had Comeback Joni from uh, Human Highway, which we also discussed. Are we going? And we had uh, Smart Patrol Mr. DNA. Those are all songs by Devo. If you're here, yeah, probably know that. If not, welcome aboard. Right then, there we go. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I sure did. Name of the show? It's called New Transportonic Reversal. Thank you for listening to it. This show broadcasts on air. Radionope.com. Say yes to me. Tonight's episode was the first one broadcast on both Instagram Live TV, Instagram Live, Instagram TV, and and YouTube. So if you came aboard in those formats, welcome, welcome. Radionope.com is the mothership. Radioneutron.com for the archives. You can get them all, including episode 159. 50,000 watts of the first part of this? This is meant to be addendum, but we talked about enough stuff that we think it qualifies as its own episode. So take it that what you will. If you like the show, uh, please share it around. Thank you to everyone that's been doing that. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a frenemy. It helps grow the show. It helps. Turn sound it helps. Into electricity. Can you hear me now? And of course, as always, out on stay safe out there. Dark and lonely. And take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10.
I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. This is a real goddamn emergency!